Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Auto Central South Africa's number one motoring podcast. My name is George Meany, and as usual, joined by none other than Wandile Sishi. How's it going, Wandi? Not too bad, not too bad. It's another week, George, so I'm super excited to just be talking about cars. My voice is a bit scratchy, but uh, you'll have to forgive me this it's all week. Right. We will, uh, we'll scratch through it. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I see your dogs want to be part of the show, so they're more than welcome. Um, but uh, tell me, what happened to Verkrashen and Hamilton? Um, just, um, you know, a lot of people were actually upset about what happened at the race, but I wasn't. So I think that's what happens when you have two fantastic drivers who are racing for the championship. Um, they're it not going to give the other the opportunity, opportunity to take yeah. it. So I, I think it was a racing incident. Uh, what do you uh, think? Agree. Yeah, I think it was a racing incident. 100%. 100%. I, I didn't expect, um, Hamilton to slow down. I didn't expect, uh, for Stappen essentially to just go through the sausage curb and, you know, yeah. take the, pe- or take the, the, the time penalty, I guess. Um, and that's what's going to happen. They just have to be a little bit cleverer, um, if they want to have a clean season. And I'm sure they're going to, they're professional, so they, mm. they won't let this, you know, impact the rest of the season, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, this is not the F1 show, but, uh, very lastly, um, uh, how close did that tire of uh, Verstappen's come to Hamilton's head? Did you see that that entire top of that car was crushed? Absolutely Completely crushed. Yeah, I mean it it, it touched his helmet. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because two years ago, people, including Hamilton, were like, "No to the halo," uh. and now it's saved over four drivers in the span of about two years. So yeah. the cars are getting quicker, so the safety needs to be at that level as well. And I think it's. It's great to see that the drivers are walk away with barely a scratch on them now. Exactly, exactly. Good stuff. Well, I mean, today's episode, we're calling the manual episode, not the F1 show, the manual episode. And we'll unpack <laughs> the slow death and maybe reincarnation of the manual transmission. Next, we'll be joined by none other than our motoring journalist, Lawrence Mini, to join us and unpack the 2021 VW Golf GTI, which is an iconic vehicle in itself. And then lastly, as usual, we'll be answering some of your motoring-related questions from our Ask Order Trader platform. So, uh, so Wendy, what's up with the manual transmission dying? What is your perspective? Um, I think we'll get into the details. Um, I have my own personal opinion on the manual transmission. Which I think one it's do very you controversial. I definitely prefer automatic. I won't lie. Um, but I think the manual still has its place in lots of many car enthusiasts. But in terms of the roads and the mind of consumers, I, I, I can understand why it's slowly seeing this, uh, this bitter end. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. I know. I know EVs don't necessarily have manual or automatic. It's just you know, stop and go. As I've as I've uh, kind of you know gone through the years of, of of driving. When I was younger, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, when I first got my license, like what automatic? Yeah. Well, old people drive automatics. Yeah, that's that how I used to believe. Exactly. All people drive automatics. You know, my yeah. mom had an automatic uh, Mazda 626. I don't know if you remember the Mazda yeah, 626. Yeah. My mom had a, an, an automatic Mazda 626. And um, and I was going to take my driving test on this Mazda 626. And then I found out yeah. that if you got an automatic license, you weren't allowed to drive manual. You can't drive manual. Exactly. And I was like, yeah. hell to the no. I mean, today I don't think it matters. I don't think there are enough manuals on the road, right? Not in South Africa. In South Africa, manuals still rule the roost. Um, we actually one of the few countries, um, in the world actually where you'll see manuals are more popular than automatics. But I think that has more to do with cost than anything else. Um, 
because you know i know people who are my age for instance who don't even have a manual license they just went straight for the automatic, automatic. so um you know we'll see what happens in the future but right now it seems like manuals are a little bit more popular well i mean to set the scene in february 2020 the website green car reports reported that for the first time ever in the united states not in south africa in the united states electric vehicles outsold manual transmission combustion combustion engine cars so so what yeah. does that mean um uh, manuals made up um, for 1.1% of 2019's new car sales in the U.S., while electric vehicles made up 1.6% of sales. Yeah. So uh, both admittedly still a very small share of the market, but uh, even electric vehicles have now overtaken the sale of manually or manual transmissions in cars. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, you know, it's one thing to talk about automatic and, and, and manual, but once you use something that's a brand new technology that's, selling something that's been so entrenched in what we think driving is or the real emotion and you know visceral experience of mm. driving a car then it paints a different story with regards to where the world is going um and it seems like automatic is going to be the norm specifically now with evs sort of taking over oh no definitely with the evs i mean you like where do you the evs doesn't have a gearbox so you don't need a Stick. But uh, but isn't America by and large an automatic country anyway? Because uh, their manual car production peaked in 1980 at 35% and has declined ever since. 1980. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's important when we put on these stats, we actually give some context to, to the situation. It's always been like that in America. It's kind of an unfair um, statistic to kind of use as your argument for, you know, what is better. Um, but if you go everywhere else in the world, it's, it's, it's not as auto bias um specifically in south africa um we've seen that you know we around 40 percent or 45 percent around there being um more manual so you know it just kind of depends where you're going and um i think south africa slowly but surely is also going to start moving in that direction once the price you know of of the automatic gearbox comes down a little bit it's grown, right? Because in 2019, uh, uh, the number of manual gearboxes was 45%, whereas in 2015, it was 33%. So so mm-hmm. manual gearbox sales, or should I say cars with manual gearbox sales, have grown. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I do see it coming down over time. So um, uh, what, like, why manual, though? Why would people want a manual car, do you think? So... I mean, okay, there's, I think there's a few factors, and I'm going to start with the one that um, I consider the biggest lie ever told <laughs> in cars, which is that manuals are fun. Um, a lot of people believe that, you know, that experience of changing up and down is, you know, it kind of gives you that fast and furious sort of experience when you're driving a vehicle. Yeah. Personally, I think just give me the flappy paddle and I'm happy. I'm going to feel exactly the same way. I want to feel like Lewis Hamilton. I don't want to feel like... Vin Diesel with my arm, you know, getting big and gymming. No, no, no. Just give me that. Um, and I, th- I think that's one of the big reasons. In South Africa, um, they're also less likely to be stolen, which is quite interesting. Um, some people believe that manual transmission also gives you better control of the vehicle. Do you think it's because the hijackers don't know how to don't know how to drive a manual car? I, I think it's a lot of things. It's just you don't want to make a mistake. Well, it's, okay, look, I'm not I'm not a criminal, so I don't know this for fact. But you don't but, want to make a mistake while you're stealing a car. <laughs> Let me just say, by by, I think I think that it's it's you know you don't want to make a mistake um, stalling, especially I would assume if it's a getaway are a bit younger now, so they would want to you know 
quick getaway. Stop digging, why not? Stop <laughs> digging. So, or is it a control thing? You know, a lot of people that uh, that I've spoken to that love manual cars uh, love the effect of control. So they feel like it's a real driving experience. You're in control of everything. The car's not making any decisions for you. Do you, you know, how much of a control thing do you think it is? Let me ask you, George, is that what, do you want to be, like, what sort of control, what more control do people really want in the driving experience? I feel like we have it, or like, we have, you're already controlling the vehicle, what more do you want? Like, what more do you actually want? Well, uh, you know, so, so let me put it to you this way. Um, as time has gone on, cars have become more autonomous. Even moving from manual to automatic is, is kind of an autonomy step. The car is doing the work for you. Whereas if you think yeah, about back yeah. in, you know, even the starter motor. So in my mind, like having the key to turn the igni- uh, ignition and to start the car, that's an autonomous move. Because if you think about back yeah. in the early 1900s, how did you start a car before the starter motor? Okay, let me give you another scenario that might change. Well, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me tell you how this car was started. You had to go and stick this thing, this crank in the front of the car and, and turn it in <laughs> yeah. order for uh, the car to start. And that was a manual yeah. way to start the car. So, so over a hundred years, this autonomy thing has become um, the, the way in which cars are going. And manual to automatic gearboxes is no different. What, what, what is your story? So here's my uh, – look, I speak on behalf of industry and you know consumer behavior. Um, I think I'm definitely somebody who pays more attention to that. And if you ask OEM and you ask just the everyday consumer, what they want is something that's a bit safer, um, that's going to make sure that they get there easier with less, with the least amount of work. And I think that's why the automatic has become so popular is, one, it's safer. Um, you don't have to do that extra step. Um, and two, you know, you're less likely to make a mistake, which might end somebody else's life or yourself. Um, look, I'm not saying that manuals cause deaths or anything. But it's more of the human experience that has an effect on the overall driving experience, not just for yourself, but everybody else. And I think automatics tick a lot of those boxes. Yes, it's not going to be, you know, the same amount of control, but I think very few people will want control over a safer, easier drive. That makes sense. Well, I mean, let's turn to cost in that case. So I, I, I agree with you. You know, on the one hand, it's control. On the other hand, it's kind of ease of driving, uh, relaxed driving. What about cost? Because the complexity of automatic gearboxes up to now meant that manual versions of the car were cheaper. Um, you know, how much do you think that played into people taking up manuals in South Africa rather than automatics? Was it, is it because of the low cost of the manual or do you think, uh, it was, I mean, I, I think cost plays a big part in, in everything. I used to think so, but I think, I think of it now as it's a premium. Um, a lot of people are okay with driving manual. It's, it's really, it's really a preference thing. But if you have that extra amount of money, why not go automatic? And most people do. Um, there's somebody who's very close to me who's going through that exact experience right now. They're buying a new car. It's cheaper for them to get the manual version. Um, but they've been driving a manual their whole life, and they're just like, no, no, no. I'm not going to be in traffic again going through that experience. Um, so, you know, I, I used to think it's mostly a cost thing, but I think it's more of do I want to have the shiny wheel or just the base, which still does the same thing. If you have the extra money, go for it. If not, I think a lot of South Africans specifically are just like, hey, I'll, you know, I don't mind just um, you know, getting the manual and saving a little, a little bit of extra money. 
So, uh, so, so in terms of performance, manual cars are quicker than automatics. And there's one particular reason. It's not because of gear shift time. As a matter of fact, manual gearboxes are probably shift quicker than, uh, than a human can. But uh, manual gearboxes are lighter than automatic gearboxes. It makes the overall car lighter than, uh, uh, than, than automatic gearboxes. And one of the big reasons sports car owners prefer the manual gearboxes is because of the weight. Yeah, no, I can, I can totally believe that. Um, if you're gonna, if, you know, weight is such a huge factor in making cars that much faster. A huge factor, sorry, in making cars that much faster. Um, so I can understand why, you know, someone who is either building a supercar or interested in buying a supercar would go for a manual. Also, it goes back to that idea of control, fun factor. That's where I think manuals sort of, you know, are still very, very important and have their place is when you're going to use a vehicle not just for an everyday experience but rather for a very visceral you know connected automobile um, fun experience that's where manuals really really tick all the boxes well then you've got to kind of take out that crankshaft and take your starter motor out and go and start your car from the nose of the car <laughs> manually right because it's the same bloody argument um, what about uh, what about uh, um, you know traffic uh, like the the one the one thing I, I love about manual cars or driving a manual car is when there's no traffic then it's fun to drive a yeah. manual car and I would agree yeah. you know that whole kind of experience of 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 controlling when the gear shift happens at what rev range and not letting the car do it for you but most of us don't drive cars mostly in those conditions we both we mostly drive cars in traffic and it's a bloody big effort to change gears all the time in traffic pull that clutch out you 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 get out of the car and your left leg is uh is kind of grown because you've been working out all the time exactly exactly um like i said i know somebody who's going through the exact same thing and the, the main reason why they're going for an automatic is because of traffic they just don't want to have to go through, um, I want to say trauma, the trauma of, <laughs> of, <laughs> of the clutch and the, uh, you know, changing, shifting gears every two seconds. Why do that when you can just relax um, and enjoy your experience? But once again, traffic doesn't happen all the time, you know. It's, it's, well, I, no, I lockdown it not, but, uh, you know, pretty yeah. much traffic was an everyday thing before lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think you have to weigh these pros and cons and, and see what works best for you. For South Africans, for some reason, it's still, you know, we'll see what happens. But I think what's going to change that in South Africa is the fact that a lot of OEMs may be actually, you know, making the decision for us. Well, Jaguar Land Rover, Jaguar and Land Rover, from, as a matter of fact, have totally phased out manual transmissions. You don't, you won't find a Land Rover or a Jaguar, for that matter, um, off the floor new now with a manual gearbox, right? 100%. And um, they're not the only ones. Uh, we saw recently VW just made an announcement saying that they gradually just uh, eliminating the manual gearbox. Mercedes-Benz is doing the exact same same thing um, because ultimately they need funding for um, the EVs that are coming out now. And why not take out, um, I guess, the option that most people aren't necessarily going for globally, mm. which makes sense. Well, going for globally, but not uh, but not locally. So, uh, so the next generation Tiguan and Passat models in 2023 will be uh, manual gearboxes will be totally eliminated, and uh, VW says by 2030 VW will no longer launch new models with manual options in key markets such as Europe, China, and the USA. So. Uh, um, you know, it, it begs the question: With the electric vehicles in the future, do we really need manual gearboxes anymore? Um, yeah, you know, 
I'm going to reiterate this again. As you know, I think during this conversation, I've I've had a little bit of a change of heart. It's not that I don't necessarily like manual gearboxes. Um, or the transmission, I think they have their place. Um, and for someone who wants to have that experience, specifically in a more high end, um, sportier car, it makes a lot of sense. But with you know EVs coming along, I don't think they're going to be necessary. They, you know, we know now we do have EVs, and they're not. They you know you can they're just one gear that you kind of. Um, use all the time. You don't need a manual, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, but I can't see the manual having a reincarnation or surviving the the future of motoring. Oh no, that's definitely definitely not going to happen. Definitely not going to happen. Well, um, I don't know if you saw Mick Schumacher drive his dad's car. His dad's, uh, um, it was two, yeah. I think it was two or three weeks ago um, at, from the time of yeah. recording this, where he do, he drove the was it the Benetton. Um, yeah, the Benetton, uh, uh, the, the 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 car that Michael Schumacher first won, I think first, it was yeah. his first uh, world championship in, was the Benetton, and uh, and Mick Schumacher got into that car, and uh, I wonder how much learning he had to do to operate that car because it was fully manual, right? Well, I think because he's a racing driver himself, mm. um, he's had to drive manuals. In one form or another. So, um, so I don't learned. think the learning curve was that huge. However, okay. the older F1 cars were a lot more difficult to drive than the, the ones we currently have now. So I think it's not just the changing of the gears which he had to deal with, but it's the entire experience that he had to Continue sort of with. Uh, grapple with. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's the same thing. Same thing <clears> with normal cars. Um, is It's just easier to have an automatic um, if you just everyday driving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I mean, le- well, in in you know, in saying that, let's bring in our expert journalist uh, Lawrence Mini to um, to take a look at the 2021 VW Golf GTI because the Golf GTI has you know long had a manual gearbox and then moved to GS- DSG and then etc etc etc. Welcome, Lawrence. How do you do, George? Always welcome to be back with you guys. Yes, yes, it's nice to have you. Yeah, so uh, so tell us, uh, Lawrence, we've been talking about manual versus automatic gearboxes. Let's first take a, a quick straw poll. What is your preference? Well, it all depends on what I'm doing. Um, if I'm driving a performance car, um, I want a manual. Um, yeah. That's just the way things go. But if I'm doing the school run, running around town, dropping the kids off on my way to the office, sitting in traffic, it's an auto every day of the week. Uh, well, uh, that just proves the traffic thing, right? So, so chances are you, you're going to be wanting to drive a manual maybe 10% of the time. Well, yeah, and, and, and only in specific cars. And it depends on the car, yeah. yeah. Sport, high-end sports car type thing. So, so tell us about the 2021 VW Golf GTI. Give us a little bit of a history of the gearbox first of the Golf GTI before we get into this particular car. So, yeah, um, it was manual. Um, they started offering autos in the 90s. Um, the auto then gave way to the DSG, uh, as we know it in the 6, 7, 7.5, and 8. Um, a lot of people don't know, but the, na- the South African name that we gave to the car but is actually because of the DSG. Um, and uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's what makes the, the Golf the Golf, really. Um, what you, the DSG, the latest or the, generation, or the Vrupa? Yeah, yeah, the the, the DSG. Um, the latest generation actually doesn't come with a manual. You can't get a manual at all. Oh. Um, and yeah, so very unfortunate for those who enjoy rowing their own. But 
is that globally you can't get a manual or is it just the, the just ones here. that are coming to South Africa? Just here. Um, I think if I'm not, and I speak under correction, I think you might be able to get one in Europe, but on the whole, um, the motor manufacturers just saying, you know, there's no point in us making an entire range of cars with manual gearboxes that nobody's going to buy because everybody wants auto. Um, and remember, uh, our, our local market is just a, is a drop in the ocean compared to the rest of the world who really are the ones that are dictating what car gets what kind of gearbox. Yeah, yeah. That's so true. So, um, so this is the latest iteration of this legendary car. And, you know, South Africans love the Golf GTI. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, it's arrived in South Africa. Uh, you've driven it. Um, you know, what are your first impressions? It's called a Golf 8, right? Uh, yeah, it's the eighth generation of the GTI. So it's a GTI, but we don't call it the GTI 8. It's mm. just the GTI. I'm um, glad you picked that up because uh, it's very, very little known fact that that uh, uh, VW didn't actually come out with Golf 5, 6, 7, 8. It's just the generational term for the car, right? It's all Golf GTIs. Exactly. Um, oh, so the way, you, the way you tell people which generation you have is by saying, no, it's the 7 mm. or the 7.5 mm. or the 8. Um Long history. The car's been around since the early 80s. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, my personal opinion, this new one, uh, which we initially thought was going to be VW Swan Song for the yeah. petrol GTI, um, as it turns out, South Africa might be seeing a 9, possibly even a 10, before they go full electric. Um, so there is hope uh, for our GTI lovers locally. Um the vehicle, for, to me personally, um, not that much different from the 7.5 um, in terms of the mechanics, the drive, the, the touch and feel and everything. The the biggest change, though, of course, a little bit of cosmetics on the outside, but the biggest stuff is on the inside. Um, and that's probably where I think you're going to find two opposing forces happening there. There's going to be people that love it and, like myself, not so much a fan. Um, I I have one question, Lawrence. The, yeah. There's a, the specific reason why the Golf GTI is so popular in South Africa. It's the most popular variant that's searched for. Everyone wants a GTI, um, except for one. Day. And I think it's <laughs> except for me. Um, I think for many, many, many different reasons. Are those reasons carried over onto this eighth generation GTI? Because I think that's going to determine if this brand that's become so synonymous with South African cars and you know, um, our culture as, as people of South Africa, does this car tick those boxes or are we seeing a decline in its popularity? They do. It does tick the boxes. It is a GTI. It's still a GTI and South Africans will buy a GTI no matter what it is a GTI. So, you know, it doesn't really matter what I say about the vehicle. There will still be people who will fill the order books um, and we can see it already in the sales figures. The, they're all sold. And the ones that are coming on the ship are sold. And the ones that are coming on the ship after that are sold. So, yes, it does embody everything that is a GTI. Um, it's a little bit watered down now in the eighth generation. So the the DSG fart, the uh, the, 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 the Vipar, so to speak, is a little bit watered down. Um, it's not as aggressive as it used to be. Um, the What I was saying about it's the trying, interior. It's trying to be an EV, right? Yeah, VW has moved away from switches. So there's no more manual analog switches in the car. Everything is this haptic touch feedback, and it is infuriating to use. Why? So um, because it 
it, it doesn't click. So, oh. you know, you don't know whether you're, if you're actually switching something on or off. Placement of the switches is also highly debatable. You know, the, the car comes with a, a steering wheel heater as standard and the on off button is on the steering wheel where your thumb rests. So you're constantly switching the steering wheel heater on. Uh, silly things like that. The, 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 the button to open the sunroof is haptic. So you have to slide your finger along the roof. It looks like you're caressing the inside of your car. It's a bit weird. And, but yeah, it, I did, uh, when I first drove the car a few weeks back, um, I, I had a very, very high score in mind. Um, because of the fact that the GTI is such an awesome all-rounder. It's a great performance car. It's a great city car. It's a great handling car, which makes it a very, very good driver's car. But since then, the GR Yaris has come out, and I've had to revise my score <laughs> because, unfortunately, the Golf doesn't tick as many boxes that GR Yaris does. Um, yeah, and the price is pretty much the same. So the, this new 8th gen GTI, you're looking at about 669,000 wow. without any of the options. Um, and the GR Yaris is 700 with all the options. So yeah, but GTI yeah. is still GTI, right? I mean, uh, it's a GTI. And that's, and you know, the, the, the review that myself and Sean did, uh, a few days back, um, I'm busy wrapping up the video now. Um, he said it as plainly as, as, as you can say, um, it doesn't really matter what we say. Um, we can complain all we want about the car or the, you know, if you've got a 7.5, keep it. Is it worth upgrading to the eight? <sighs> Don't really think so. But if you're in like a polo, definitely have a look at the eight. You can't go wrong. You won't regret it. Um, but it doesn't matter what we say because it, GDI is a GDI and it's going to sell. Exactly. So, you know, you might have GTI haters because it's so popular. It's like you've got Apple iPhone or Apple haters because it's so popular, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, and those people, you know, is there a jealousy factor there? Maybe they, um, you know, they won't, they won't drive the GTI just because it's so popular, which I think is a silly way to look at it. To be honest, you've got to really look at the car in for, for itself rather than, uh, rather than kind of doing things for other people, doing stupid things for other people. So, so you're saying this car retails for, uh, what is the base price? there lawrence uh 669 um and then you can add on the black package the iq lighting the harman kardon system and that'll jack the price up to 710 715 in a heartbeat okay so you can put 100 grand um, on the car quite easily yeah i would just like to say though that um i think we should also be happy that vw is still making the gti uh, if you look at our local market there's no more focus st there's no more Magan rs the Honda Type R is nowhere to be found. Um, there are no more performance hatchbacks. Well, so the pocket, GTR pocket is rockets or the boy, boy racer cars. Oh, yeah, I mean they're still around, but they like now like they're like two million rand. Um, yeah, you know it's, it's not really the same thing anymore. So they're Lawrence, involved. sorry, Wendy, go for it. I see your uh, your garden guys are there. Good stuff. Hope they uh, hope they're doing a good job. <laughs> what is uh, what is your score out of ten, Lawrence? Well, when I initially spoke to Wendy about the car, I'd given it a nine, but I'm going to revise that down to an 8.5 um, because the Yaris has given it a swift kick in the pants and knocked it down half a point. Um, yeah, uh, 8.5. 8.5. What, do we, what else do we have in 8.5 range there, Wendy? Um, so there's, a, there's definitely a few vehicles which have touched the 8.5 area. Let's see. We have the 4 Series, which did around the same thing the 330 is which was the 
the South African Special. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, basically those three vehicles. So it's it's kind of tight. And I think 8.5 is a really good score. We we haven't had the GR Yaris yet, so we'll see where that goes. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Well, there we there, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Our very own uh, expert motoring, motoring journalist uh, Lawrence Mini on the twenty twenty one Golf GT VW Golf GTI. And uh, if you want to go and have a look at uh, all the things, news and reviews about uh, many many cars uh, besides this GTI hitting autotrader.co.za uh, in the coming uh, days, uh, go along to our news and reviews platform and uh, go and read up about the car you're about to buy. Go and see if it suits your fancy. Um, each of our expert motoring journalists obviously have their own opinions and uh, and, and we allow them to have those opinions. So, so uh, go and watch m- a lot of material uh, and go and research as much as you can and get many, many points of view and see whether this Golf 8 GTI actually suits you for the future. Um, so thank you very much, Lawrence. Really nice to have you uh, on the show again and uh, we'll see you next time. Always a pleasure, James. Keep up. Ciao, ciao. Thanks, Lawrence. All right. Well, uh, there we have it. Wendy, would you buy the Golf uh, 8 GTI? It doesn't matter what I want. Uh, South Africa wants the car. They love it. 8.5 is a, it's exactly where it should be, I think. Um, I've never driven it, but yeah, it's GTI. Oh, you know what? When I was younger, I loved the GTI. Not that I don't like it now. It's just I'm into EVs. But uh, um, I still think a GTI is a GTI is a GTI, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it's always exactly. going to be a loved car. They just need to turn it electric. And um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to call it. You know, I suppose they've got the. Well, I mean, area. we. You're on. You're on mute. The we had the e golf actually on the show, so. E golf. You know, maybe yeah. it'll be the e golf GZ. Nah, e golf. That's a retrofitted car. It's terrible. Um, they mustn't retrofit cars. It's it doesn't work, in my opinion. Anyway, let's move on yeah. before we get down like the windy road. Um, ask Auto Trader. Everyday people send um, Auto Trader motoring related questions, all things car buying and selling. And so Wendy and I will now attempt to answer some of these burning questions. Um, so Wendy, what's the first question? Okay, first question comes from Juram, who's asked, when you buy a one-year-old car dealership, does the remaining warranty and service plan carry over? Really good question. A really good question, Jaram. Um, generally speaking, uh, cars original service plan and warranty coverage should carry through uh, to the to the next owner um, uh, without there being any need for additional warranty or service plan extension. The only requirement is that the car should pass the quality check at the dealership for um, that specific brand, and uh, okay. you know, in your case, uh, Suzuki. So, uh, so just follow up uh, um, um, with the manufacturer. They should have the car in their database and make sure that quality check is done. Okay. Um, next question comes from Pete, who's asked, "When can I, where can I buy or download a twenty uh, two thousand and nine Toyota Rush owner's manual?" So I'm assuming Pete just lost their manual, and they're trying to get a digital digital version. Um, well, Pete, uh, the car uh, you're referring to, the two thousand and nine Toyota Rush, was sold in South Africa as a Daihatsu Terios. Um, um, no, but with that in mind, uh, I don't know if you remember the Tiatsu Terios uh, one day. I thought it was yeah. a pretty cool car. Um, with that in mind, uh, we don't have any idea actually where you could find the owner's manual. Perhaps uh, um, Daihatsu or Toyota um, breaker yards, maybe uh, spare shops uh, might be able to help you. Um, you know, go go off to one of them and um, 
and go and ask for the uh, whether they've got the manual or not. I mean, uh, surely I, I would imagine that some repair shops might have uh, manuals at hand, even if you could, uh, you know, maybe go and uh, take a look in their uh, in their presence if there's something specific you want to address on the uh, Toyota Rush. Yeah, I think um, I had a similar scenario. Well, I have a friend who had a similar scenario with a different um, OEM. They just went to the OEM and they got one sent through from overseas. It just costs a little bit, but if you really, really need it, you can get them yep. to reprint it for you. Exactly. Last question. Last question comes from Oritile who's asked, when buying from a private seller, what's the seller's role and the buyer's role? Any recommended steps? Uh, well, Oratele, uh, private car sales uh, work somewhat differently to dealership sales, and uh, many of the sellers' uh, legal obligations are lifted, like the footstoots kind of um, um, mm. scenario. Um, and there's only two things required of the seller, and that is to sign the change of ownership documents and to hand over the keys and the NATUS registration documents. Those are the two obligations. Following that, the seller is free to remove the vehicle from their name and the NATUS database and to ensure uh, that future fines or licensing fees won't reflect on their name. So if the seller is feeling generous, they might arrange a roadworthy. They don't have to and supply that along with the registration document, but it's not obligatory. There's a there's okay. a lot of there's a lot fewer uh, things that a private seller has to do. So um, you know, um, I, if I was buying a car privately, uh, Oratello, I would uh, insist that the seller provide a roadworthy certificate um, or at least mm. some sort of check on the car, um, because if you don't get into there's no there's no real recourse. Yeah, and then I think as a as a buyer, don't you have to tell them that you're selling the car as is or something like that? Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, when selling a car privately and you are selling, make sure that you uh, make sure that it's uh, mentioned that a car is being sold. Footstoots. The best thing is to have, a, a, you know, a sale agreement and in that sale agreement mention that the car is sold as is or uh, in the traditional words, footstoots. And on that note, uh, that has been epic. One deal, I hope your man does better next time, but uh, we will see you next time on another episode of Auto Central. Cheers for now.